Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and each week we have the pleasure of having a conversation with someone who's building a more humane world from the inside out in their own unique ways. And this week, I have my pleasure to have a conversation with my friend Jane Mudd, an artist, uh, uh, not at all a stranger to Columbia, Missouri. Hi, Jane. Hi, Dick. You do live uh, kind of a farm or something uh, not too far from Fulton, is that right? I do, about eight miles east of Fulton. Aha. Uh-huh. I don't know that you would call yourself a farm girl but it's it's a piece of land out in out in the woods uh, somewhere out there land i've i've done uh we have cattle and so oh oh you do okay help chase them around and <laughs> around and be a part of that whole thing uh, great we have a lot of uh native grasses and prairies out here that we're trying to establish mm-hmm. my husband tom and his brother do most of the managing and it's, it's a lot to handle, but uh, <laughs> it's a wonderful place to live. Oh, yeah. And did you raise your kids there? Raised the kids here. Wow. Been there a long time. Probably a lot of inspiration for your artwork out there. Absolutely. <laughs> yep, it's all inspiring, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Family, the farm, <laughs> my work. Yeah. The world at large. Let's, right at the top, um, mention, because you have a studio over at Orr Street Studios, there is some kind of an event coming up that we could uh, kind of plug during the show today. Uh, Can you tell us about it? Well, uh, I would be happy to do that. We are having a party for our uh, artists who have supported us in the past, especially in this last year, going through COVID and it's been rough on everybody, and um, thanks to the people who have uh, helped us out last year financially, we are still afloat. <laughs> and not only that, we have this uh, wonderful artist-in-residence program happening, and we're getting ready to do the second year of the artist-in-residence. So that's where you, we brought in, uh, we selected three uh, artists of color and of need, based on need. Gave them a free studio, and they worked all year at Orr Street, and they have an exhibit right now from the last year called Headspace, and it is it will be featured at this fundraiser that we're going to have. The artists are uh, Askia Bilal, Candice Nicole, Feriana Sabiri. They have uh, work in this studio right in the uh, gallery right now. And it's really fabulous. It's wonderful work. And um, we will be featuring that uh, at this fundraiser. We're having an art party. We want to give back. We want to give back to those people who have helped us out in the in last year, and particularly. But we've had a lot of good support from the community in Columbia. And yeah, we're going to have a good time. It's uh, it's thirty dollars to get in. It's uh, the twenty fourth, which is a Saturday, from six to ten. We have live music. Old bags fly free. They're great. We'll have a 
a silent auction and a lot of the artists from Orr will be donating you know one of their favorite pieces free we're, we're all making donations because we really do appreciate what having that place and we've also got some local art artist donations that are really going to be great so you know again we're going to kick off the next artist in residence program and we appreciate you know everybody coming and enjoying themselves and continuing to support us we do have uh, or street has been around uh, since 2008 and we mainly can exist through our rentals we rent the space out you know with weddings and rehearsal dinners and little parties that people can rent the space and that really helps us you know keep ourselves sustainable we have art programming we have a kids program kids art program several times a year that we have planned to get back into after the last year we have hearing voices, seeing visions. You would be, I know you probably know about that. That's artists and writers featuring their work or their poetry one night a, a month. It's, uh, it's really a great program, but our gallery space, we have different artists come in, not just or street artists, but we feature a different artist every month. And so I think the people in Columbia appreciate or street and or street appreciates them. And so oh, this is a way we can kind of give back. We also have a few other surprises going on that night, so we hope people will come and uh, celebrate with us, celebrate the Artist in Residence program and celebrate Orr Street Studios. Wonderful. I had a guest uh, on this show last year, Gladys Swan. Isn't she a colleague there with you at Orr Street? She is. We shared a studio for a while. Uh Uh-huh. Any other uh, artists that you want to mention by name that people might uh, recognize? I start mentioning artists, I'll leave some out. <laughs> we have Frank Stack, of course, at a studio there for a long time, and he's a he's a mentor to many many artists in Colombia, myself included. He was a huge influence on me and in my artwork during uh, grad school and after grad school, and even still today. He has been there. Byron Smith, Jen Wiggs, Tootie Burns, uh, Mike C. Gladys was there, all kinds of folks, uh, <laughs> photographers and videographers. It's the only place in Columbia that I know where you can go and see artists working in their studios and see what the space is like. And wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I've been there a few times. A lot of creative things coming out of there. <laughs> cool. Well, art is a part of what makes us human, it seems. Uh, so... I salute you and your fellow artists. I suppose in some ways I'm an artist as well, at least a social artist. Uh, We're all working to build a more humane world, and and it's sort of like an artist. uh, Instead of the palette being paints, we work with conversations and uh, different ideas and whatever our particular mode is of building a more humane world. Writers, musicians, yeah, actors, <laughs> dancers. <laughs> yeah, everybody's an artist to some degree. I think you know whether you don't think you are or not. You are creating your own environment, and that's that's a sense of creating. So how you dress, you know, what you read, <laughs> these are all how you parent. <laughs> ah, 
No, that's a, that's a very creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. You have to be creative, I think. Yeah. I, you mentioned this uh, artists in residence. Do these uh, folks apply to be artists in residence, or how do you find these folks? They apply, and right now the artists in residence committee is uh, looking at quite a few applicants for the next year, which starts in August, and uh, they'll have to make their selection. You know, it's based on commitment, and we think there's a real commitment there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what we really look for, I think. Mm-hmm. Boy, the three people that are in our gallery right now, they just have some dynamite work, <laughs> really great stuff. So, Are they students in the Columbia area? One of them is. Some of them are, you know, past students. You don't have to be a student. You can be any age. Oh, mm-hmm. great, great. Okay, well, the word's out. Uh, maybe it's too late to apply for this year. Yeah, but uh... the deadline is today or yesterday <laughs> oh <laughs> okay you can check it out on you can go to the website the or street site and... or street studios.com is it yeah that's right okay well you mentioned getting your um, graduate work i noticed a, a long period of time between your bachelor's degree in fine arts and your masters in fine arts it's like you you might was that when you were raising kids yeah so i raised kids in the 80s we moved down here and got married in the 70s tom's dad bought this farm tom and i tom is my husband and Mm -hmm. he uh he and i met on a ski trip you know back in the early 70s and uh his dad and older brother bought uh, a farm. It was like $100 an acre back then. Can you believe it? <laughs> mm. And um, Tom loved it, and he lived out here. You know, we started going together, and I came out and did the farm thing. And uh, he was into log houses, and we built a little log cabin out here, he and his brothers and friends and family. And it was just a really great place to be in the 70s is, you know, back to nature, back to the <laughs> land. I'm from St. Louis and grew up in West County, a little, you know, middle class parochial. Went to a Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. <laughs> I went to Fontbonne <laughs> College. That's where I, I got my undergrad. And it was it was really a nice little art program there, I must say. And then, uh, yeah, then uh, married, came down here. We were desperate for employment. <laughs> you know, the mm-hmm. two of us Tom, mm-hmm. had a degree in uh, animal science, animal husbandry. And, you know, he just jumped right into the farm thing and cattle, pigs, the whole works. <laughs> 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 Learning on the job is what we've been doing for the last 50 years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, yeah. So they, they still have cattle. But, uh, you know, Tom is uh, one of the most ambitious guys I know. And I think that's why I admired him so much. And he ended up going on his own and being a con, doing contract, was a contractor for 40 years out here. Oh. My first job was a school bus driver. Oh. So, yeah, everybody should do that for at least a, a, a year. <laughs> it was pretty wild. The rural routes out here. Wow. Yeah, then I did years, uh, several years, the whole decade of the 80s is just part-time social work job in and out. I was a supervisor at a sheltered workshop and I worked for Head Start and did parents as teachers and uh, I worked with 
alcoholics in a halfway house. And I, I always brought my art into the picture if I could. You know, raising kids and still trying to be an artist, you know, it, it, you just ask yourself these questions. How important is my art, you know? Mm-hmm. How important are my kids? How important is my family, my life? You know, what the balance is a struggle. And anybody who, well, has a career in kids or has a career in, in art, you don't even have to have kids. If you've got two things going on in your life that you're kind of torn between or struggling to do both, it's always a, a challenge, right? Right. <laughs> and so I ended up going back to graduate school when my youngest was just three. My oldest was 10. Hmm. And I felt pretty guilty about that, actually. But <clears throat> I really had this uh, very strong urge mm-hmm. <laughs> to go back and just learn more, you know, about the figure and about drawing and... Uh, you know, I was trying to do a lot with the kids around. You know, we were also building a house at the time. Tom, talk about ambition. We tore down <laughs> the log barn in Herman, this log uh, double ten barn. Wow. Moved <laughs> it log by log back here and built it back up. And we're still living in it and still working on the dang thing. But um, we're comfortable here and we love it. But we, we all lived in the basement, you know, for the first few years and while we worked on it and I had a little studio in the laundry room. I I would paint in the laundry room, you know, with clean clothes and hanging on, you know, on the ceiling. (laughs) Kids running around. And it was this conflict of, you know, trying to express my own feelings and my own anxieties and whatever it was. And then your children and putting time into them. And and it just got very chaotic sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, and I would have to just back off the art. You just have to. I mean, the kids do come first. I brought them into the world, and mm-hmm. we we all did the best we could. <laughs> we, uh, we had some we had some wonderful times. But I realized I would just keep going back to the art. And my husband realized that I was a happier person when I was painting. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there was a, a time there where you know I would be canning tomatoes out of the garden, and the kids would be running around, and I would just throw up my hands and, and go get my paints or pastels or something and, and paint the tomatoes and the kids in the background and you know, the chaos. And I, I learned how to kind of embrace it and be influenced by it. My kids were my best inspiration. <laughs> you know, I did all kinds of wild, crazy paintings, self-portraits. And I, uh, well, I ended up going, getting into grad school. My whole thesis work for the four years I was there was kind of about the struggle of mm. having multiple roles and trying to come up with a balance and mm-hmm. of course most of my self-portraits at that time were you know of a, the victim <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know I kind of got through it and my husband was very supportive it's hard to do this it, it does take a village I had lots of people helping me you know mm-hmm. with uh, watching my kids and and you were at Mizzou right and for your graduate work for that and became good friends with Frank Stack. He was, you know, one of my mentors there. There's been some great teachers there. Jerry Burnash, I liked him. He was really a great, uh, great guy with composition and William Berry and the drawing and Brooke Cameron. I, I had all those people and they were just so instrumental in my whole next phase of my career, I think. Frank in particular, I go out and paint with him a lot. Mm. And you know, I was trying to get out. I, I would take my little kids out 
with play pens and blankets and toys and food and pack them all in and pack all my painting stuff and, and go paint the barn on our property and put them in the cow pasture and let them have their picnic. And, you know, I, I tried to do that as much as I could. Grad school was probably one of the coolest times in my life, really, because I, I really got to devote a lot to that. And it was a, it's an hour away from here and you. And you could, uh, the, the hour drive really kind of helped you, you know, think about where you were going, you know, getting into your next thing, whether it was going to school to, to work or to come back here and to be, you know, a mom. Mm -hmm. So it gave me, you know, some good time to think about stuff. And mm -hmm. of course, I dealt with a lot of guilt and resentment at the same time, <laughs> you know, you're just kind of feeling guilty when you're there and then you're kind of resentful that you should be working on a project or doing something and so I don't know artists who are moms and dads out there who you know there's so many people that go through that and it's just creating a balance and can you do both of them at the same time you know that's the mm -hmm. that's the real key and it's it's a struggle and a, working on a balance and you need support and, you know well, I'm going to take a moment here and say, uh, listeners, uh, thank you for joining us today on Glocal News in Social Artistry here on KOPN, the community radio station that started back in 1973, and we're still trucking. We appreciate your support. I'm the host of the show, Dick Dalton, and my guest today is Jane Mudd, an artist. Uh, you can find her at janemudd.com can find her over at Orr Street Studios, uh, where she has a studio, and uh, we're having a, a conversation today about, uh, well, uh, an event coming up at Orr Street, about her uh, journey on uh, <laughs> getting along as an artist and a family. So thank you for joining us, and we'll get back to uh, a conversation with Jane Mudd. So Jane, I've been on your website janemud.com and you have an interesting uh, menu of categories for your uh, artwork that shows there you have early man landscapes nudes portraits public art and other a nice variety <laughs> where is where's your inspiration for such a variety do a lot of things <laughs> gosh uh, i don't even know hardly where to start well i started teaching at stevens college right after grad school for a little oh. while and then i eventually came here to william woods i was very fortunate to get a job here because i remember back when i was uh you know i had lots of little kids at tow i went to william woods and said gee could i could i help out could i get a job here teaching art or you know assisting or, or something i just you know anyway and the, and the uh, professor over there said you know you really need to have a master's degree before you can even walk in the <laughs> and i didn't really know what you know what all that entailed and i just went back to being the parent and working at home on my own and so getting a job there was just like a dream come true eventually and uh, i learned so much there i had wonderful support from my another mentor uh supervisor paul clervy great guy and uh, he hired me i worked with terry martin and bob elliott 
and uh, it, we just had a good crew there. I had some wonderful students throughout the years. And, you know, I was one of those uh, kids who grew up in the school system. That every time you had to give a speech or get in front of the class, I would be sick. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I'm not kidding. I would just hold my breath, my voice. I, you know, I still get nervous. And uh, so I just thought teaching would really be out of the question. And when I was in grad school at MU, I saw my, my fellow peers, colleagues, teaching and getting their tuition waived and I just thought, well, I gotta I gotta learn how to get in front of people and teach. And you know, I, I did have a little experience getting in front of uh like uh, head start kids. <laughs> you know, so you know, that helped, you know, mm -hmm. get in front of little kids and be a teacher and uh you you don't feel near as nervous. But at any rate, yeah, I did some sub teaching and that kind of thing before I, I got in there. But I uh, went in and taught beginning painting and drawing at, at grad at the um, at MU in grad school, art appreciation. So I had to kind of relearn all these, you know, this new artistic language. And but I, I don't know. I was lucky. I, I uh, had some wonderful students, and um, with the help and support of my colleagues at, at uh, William Woods, I uh, was able to teach all kinds of classes. The thing with teaching is you just got to stay a step ahead of the student, right? And so it was all I could do to do that. But you just teach them what you know. I was there for about four or five years and the art history teacher left and my fellow professors looked around and said, well, who's going to teach art history? And I said, well, just hire one. And they said, no, we think you should do it. Oh, oh, oh. That was another huge obstacle to, you know, that I had to figure out how to overcome. It's one thing to talk to students in a one-to-one -one studio situation, and but it's another thing to get up there and talk for an hour, you know, in front of kids and learn the material. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've always loved art history. I think studying history in any form just expands your life right now. It really does. I think, you know, we just don't appreciate history some of us and it's, it's an important thing I, I believe so yeah you know teaching the survey classes and then eventually I taught modern art and women art and society and so I just I learned so much it was a hard work on my part started out with slides and then we had to go and then we went into digital and, yeah. <laughs> and then I learned a lot about you know how to apply that to my own work as well so yeah, uh, it was it was all very good. It was a little nerve wracking, and you know, boy, you you got to go prepared and get the students engaged. They may not rather even be in there, you know. So it it was tough, but I'm really glad they made me do it. I I didn't like them at the time when I had to do. That, <laughs> I, was, I was, you know, it was a a great experience. I retired a couple of years ago, so. Yeah, so I'm on board at, at Orr Street, on the board. But you asked about all the, the different genres. <laughs> One thing a, a teacher has to do if they're going to continue to make art is work in the summertime, right? As, as hard as they can. So every summer I picked something to kind of work on, you know, if instead of just random going out and doing landscapes and, you know, kind of going around, I forced myself to get into some kind of theme. And, you know, I did, uh, did lots of rivers with, <laughs> with Frank, of course, starting out early on and, and the other 
artists that we'd go out and paint with. I still paint the river. I love the river. It's still a challenge to this day. The thing about working outside from life is you uh, are capturing, you're trying to capture the, the move, movement and the sun going across the sky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see things when you work from life that you just don't see in a photograph. Staring at a river for four hours and just watching the whirlpools and the swirls and the, you know, the shifts and the light and color and logs floating down. And yeah. You actually start seeing a repetition, you know, so what, if you're trying to capture a movement and it leaves, it's going to come back, you know, a whirlpool or so, you know, I just, I love that. I've, I've, I think my work has probably gotten a little more complex I just am always looking for some kind of a challenge and trying to get capture more and more. One summer, I uh, a couple summers in a row, I worked down at Prairie Garden Trust with uh, Henry Domke. He was painting back in the day, and he invited me to come out almost on a weekly basis, and we'd do prairies and lily ponds and whatever, hmm. talk about art. Then I read this book. My mother-in-law gave me this book. She thought I might like it. It was called Origins Reconsidered by Richard Leakey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it talked about him and his wife, Meve, discovering this almost full skeleton of a homo erectus. And I was just fascinated by this book of what makes us human, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, I just oh my gosh, this would be such a cool series because I get to do figure, I get to do hands, I get to do makeup figures and landscapes. And uh, so I, I, did, I started doing some clay. You know, the, the thing about the book was it just talked about this Turkana boy, this full skeleton they found in the Rift Valley back uh, about a million and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And the body was very much, the physique was very much like ours. It was almost a full skeleton at that point. It was one of the first mm-hmm. of a, a Homo erectus, and which is just one branch of the human tree, as you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big mm-hmm. branch, though. And, you know, their head size was, a, their brain size was smaller, but they were upright. They were running. They were carrying their children. They were building fires, most likely eating meat. They lived in communities. They helped each other. It was a communal thing. They were a huge leap anatomically from the uh, the Lucy. Remember Lucy, the mm-hmm. Australopithecus from four million years ago. Yeah, the, the, these hominids were you know much more the taller. The women were almost the same size as the men, unlike the early. So um, I just thought it was fascinating. You know, what is it that makes us human? What was their life like? So I did uh, some little clay figures and created some little scenarios, you know, just kind of wonderment, a figure looking in the water and seeing his reflection and this kind of landscape, this African landscape behind him that I would just make up. I did a whole uh, series of figures climbing up a rock and helping each other up on a rock kind of a thing and tried to do a few paintings from that. I did all kinds of paintings and I, uh, I did that for a couple of years. So that was one of the projects I did. And I still bring in early man once in a while into some of my work today. Mm-hmm. Uh, working with clay, I feel is uh, very similar to painting. For me, 
it's easy to change. <laughs> it's very forgiving. You can, I, I feel like I can just get the anatomy out a little better in the 3D. You know, you get a, a figure down and you can move it around like Gumby, you know, and mm. up. you can twist the body and the head. And then once it dries or you fire it, you can put it in different lighting or different, you know, dioramas or whatever and do a painting from it. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've done a few things since that, but yeah, you, with the paint, with the clay, you can take it off, you can push it around, model it. And I feel like you can do the same thing with a brush and oil, you know, <laughs> you just scrape it off, you can move it around, push it. And, mm -hmm. So I found them very similar and in undergrad I took some sculpture classes and in graduate work in the graduate program I also did quite a few sculpture classes and you know kind of I was always going back and forth between the two. Mm -hmm. My professors really wanted me to do one or the other. They didn't like that I was doing both but huh. I got away with back then. I don't know if you can do that now. <laughs> so. What else did I do? I did one summer, I did barn interiors. Hmm. I just spent the whole summer inside old barns. One summer, I did uh, portraits of senior citizens in a nursing home. Mm -hmm. The thing about uh, portraiture from life is you get to spend a couple hours with that person and learn something about them. You see something, you know, you see lots of stuff on a face that you don't see in a portrait when you're working from life. Hmm. As you know, I did your portrait, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to mention a, a self-disclosure here that I, I'm going to tell a little story about it. Uh, I met Jane through this uh, little coffee group that we get together occasionally down in uh, Jeff City. And one day we were meeting at High V. And it seemed like it might have been a rainy day. And uh, Jane brought a little uh, canvas uh, with a little easel thingy that you could just set on the table and sat across from me as we were having our coffee with our friends. And before the, sh the coffee clatch was over, here was a portrait. I was just, I was just wowed. <laughs> so I, I have... Uh, direct evidence of your skill in capturing which many people say, oh well that's that's great that's you that hey she got you well oh, look, look at those eyes you know <laughs> so i uh, really appreciate that uh gift by the way i it's it's on my mantle as we speak well i'm glad it's got a place of honor Dick. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun to do yeah and you, you've uh like you said we have already gotten to know each other a bit, but in your other work where you're going into just uh, meet somebody maybe for the first time and do a portrait, you take some time with it and get to know the people a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you try to bring a little bit of that into the portrait somehow. Um, sometimes they'll, you know, raise an eyebrow or smile a certain way or gesture, you know, turn their how they hold their head up and you know all that stuff is a factor that you just don't see and it, it's like working outside you know there's just trying to get the change in the movement the flux mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and you can kind of get that ah that's great it doesn't always work though you know sometimes you have some that don't quite work but uh 
you know, you just keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have to say that uh, there's there's some fairly humorous uh, paintings that I noticed on the website. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the painting that was humorous, but there was three cabbage heads, and you titled it Talking Heads. It, it just made me laugh. Well, it's kind of cool you brought that one out. Uh, I kind of forgot about that one. And, um, you know, a work of art should communicate with you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I have a dialogue, and every artist who works from life or I guess even a photograph, surely, and I, I can talk about that in a minute because I do work from photographs, but there's a dialogue created when you are working. Hmm. You know? I guess when you're writing, you have a dialogue going on in your head all the time, you know, it's the same thing and what, you know, you're setting a goal or, but, um, the, you know, hopefully the work of art will have a dialogue with the viewer of some sort. It will resonate in some way, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes subject matter, sometimes how a thing is painted or rendered or drawn or sculpted, you know, it's mm -hmm. got a, a little bit of the artist in there. You know, I've, as a teacher, I have come to really appreciate abstract art. Oh. I taught it in my classes. We've all had to do abstract pieces in my sculpture class and drawing class. And you can talk about the art language when you do that, you know, how it does communicate with you and, and, uh, you know, how it's got a sense of balance or movement, or is there a focal point and, you mm -hmm. know, texture involved. And, you know, so you, you know, as a teacher, you teach these kids how to talk about art in that way. But, you know, I have, there's some wonderful abstract artists at uh, Orr Street Studio. And, you know, you just, everybody kind of has a different sense of what works for them, what combination of colors and shapes really turns you on you know mm -hmm. sometimes that happens uh, you know with just a pure abstract piece maybe over another one that it doesn't do much but one, another one will and what is that you know it just it like speaks to you in a way that you can't even describe it, hmm. it can evoke an emotion that's not a human emotion it's an aesthetic kind of an emotion mm -hmm. And, um, you know, realistic art can do that, too, you know. Um, <clears throat> if you, uh, you know, Frank Stack always said, uh, you know, it's totally okay to work from a photo if you know how to work from life. <laughs> uh -huh. And if you don't know, and if that painting is a painting and not a photograph, you know. So, in other words, um, if you're working from a photo, make sure you don't forget that you're making a painting and that it's about painting first not photograph otherwise put a photograph on the wall you know? right right so yeah and he said it's you know working from life really helps you to bring in a sense of directness and movement and you know a, a state of change uh into the photograph mm -hmm. so well, you know, I mean, I, I guess people will say that I am uh, kind of obsessed with color. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I do, you know, when you break down what color is, its value, and it's, it's lightness and darkness, it's intensity, you know, neutral and right out of the tube, saturated. 
it's also warm and cool. And mm. so temperature has a big part of it. And uh, I see temperature a lot. I see all mm. these factors and most artists do, but I, I, I just have this kind of, uh, maybe I've built this kind of sensitivity or something to the warm and cool thing. Mm. And that's why I change color, you know, on a face or a tree or, or the tip of the nose looks red next to the cool shadow. So I make it a little redder. The mm. cool shadow is a little bluer or greener. You know, it's just mm. exaggerating a little bit. It's I don't really make up these colors so much as uh, start seeing them and exaggerating them. And so working from a photo, if you have done that from life for a long time, you can begin to see it in a, even a poor photo. You know, mm. you can create this dialogue and, oh, that's warm and that's cool mm. and that's even though it doesn't look those colors at all. I mean, I can almost see that in a black and white photo. I can almost mm. see temperature sometimes. Mm. And I guess it's just because I've done a lot of dang paintings in my life. But um, so, you know, I'm, I use pho photography photos, you know, for reference for when I do want to do some kind of scenario or mm -hmm. something. But um yeah, the, the you know, one summer I did vegetables out of my garden. So maybe those talking, <laughs> you know, sometimes we have some pretty cool vegetables coming out of there. <laughs> the so yeah, it's setting, it's just like a, a human figure will get into a pose. And sometimes that pose just strikes a meaning, you know, there's mm -hmm. a, a real meaning in a, a gesture or a pose sometimes. And, mm -hmm. and just how you put out your still life objects can create a meaning or a, you know, you can get a dialogue between your two, your cab cabbages mm -hmm. talking to each other, or mm -hmm. your apple and your vase, you know, and just, uh, I, I try to get that across to my students that still life, you know, you have to have empathy with those inanimate objects. Interesting. You know, to really try to, in a way, you know, that they should be portrayed. <laughs> what well, do what? they want you to say about them? Uh. <laughs> Well, let's remind our audience uh, that you are Jane Mudd, uh, artist here in mid-Missouri, uh, live a little bit outside Fulton, uh, retired teacher from William Woods. Uh, you have a studio over at Orr Street. And coming up uh, in July 24th, that's a Saturday uh, evening, right? You're having a fundraising party to uh, sort of give back to people that have been supportive of Orr Street Studios. And uh, people can just, what do they do? They have to come with their money or do they uh, sign up ahead of time, Jane, for, uh, for being able to be there? You can go to our uh, website and go to, you can go to my website. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, no, you can go to Orr's website and sign up uh, or, or buy tickets right there on the site for okay. Friends, of Orr, Friends of Orr. And Friends of Orr. Okay. Art party. <laughs> All right. Buy tickets. We appreciate your buying tickets. Um, one more thing about that is uh, the local restaurants around Columbia have donated food platters, so oh. local food, wine, beer, mm. and uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah. Well, I'm sorry that I'm going to miss it because I'm going to be at a wedding, but 
uh, I certainly encourage all our listeners to uh, put it on their calendar, check your calendar, see if you can get over to Orr Street Studios uh, Saturday night, the 24th, for a big party. And there's a silent auction for some really great uh, work from the different artists uh, there at the studio and around Columbia. So uh, check that out. And so, listeners, thanks for tuning in to uh, KOPN, uh, your local community radio station. Uh, We appreciate your support as well. So, Jane, uh, we have a little bit of time left. Uh, I'm interested in your... Um, the way that you have interacted with community, the Fulton community, the Columbia community, in terms of uh, making art public, issues that you've worked with uh, to bring out. Uh, can you share a little bit about that? I saw some murals that have been done in Fulton, I think, uh, maybe other places. Yeah, one of the uh, cool wonderful things about uh, William teaching at William Woods is they had this mentor mentee project where you could write a proposal and get a student to work with you on some kind of project that you maybe only touch in your class and would like to explore a little farther. Some of my projects were like glazing techniques of the masters or doing techniques with Cezanne. You know, I would have different students work with me on that. You know, that that was a lot of fun. Well, one of them was doing a mural downtown in Fulton. Oh. And yeah, it was 95 feet long (laughs) and 15 feet high. And so, um, you know, the student gets a stipend. We both got stipends to do that. And the paint was donated. And the guy loaned us the building, you know, said he wanted something done on the building and asked if we knew anybody. And I said, I'll do it. I'll write a proposal. And so uh, my, we did a lot of research. Uh, Megan Cooper was my student's name back in, when did I do that? In 2009, maybe. Uh, anyway, um, it's starting to fade a little bit, but <laughs> it had its heyday. We did a lot of research. We looked at murals around Missouri. We went to Jeff City, looked at, you know, of course, the Benton mural. That's what I was aspiring to. And I wanted it to be kind of a both past and present of the Fulton community. So. We have, um, you know, an old church and a a baptism going on by the river. We have the street fair. We have a uh, uh, two Civil War soldiers in the front of the mural, Uh, you know, one from the north, one from the south, kind of just looking at each other. And behind them, I have a there's a street fair with the same characters talking to each other on the street with babies and a black man and, you know, people, you know, from all walks all around. Um, There's a big quilt scenario. I was involved with Kingdom Projects, so there's a big recycling thing there. What else? I've got the farmer's market, a mule mule sale. I've got a Celia Memorial, Celia the Slave. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a big part of the Fulton history here. Right. Mm-hmm. There, um, black community and, and white community have a tribute to Celia every December. Mm-hmm. And so I have a scenario from a, a vigil that they had on the mural. 
Um, I just tried to get as much in there as I could. I had a lot of help from friends, family, <laughs> other students. I had anybody who wanted to could help work on this. I had it kind of plotted out where they could get the underpainting down and Megan and I would kind of go over it and, you know, of course I had a high standard. <laughs> so, but it, it took a lot of layers and, uh, you know, I had a lot of people help it. We did it all in one summer. So it was pretty amazing. So where can we find it? It's still, uh, it's still there. It's faded really pretty bad. And, you know, we just have to, it's, uh, it's right downtown Fulton on Bluff Street hmm. and St. Louis Avenue near there. Okay. And, yeah. I also saw something uh, that said Gentry, maybe Gentry School. Did you do a relief? I Some did kind of a, a relief yeah, project? there with the students, the sixth and seventh grade students one semester. It was part of the 1% project that I did uh, in Columbia uh, yeah, seven, eight years ago. And I have a bronze relief in front of the firehouse number seven. Wow. Whenever, whenever Columbia does some kind of public um, uh, building, or renovating or remodeling a parking garage or whatever it is with public funds, they have to put 1% of that into the arts. It's a, it's a great program. So oh. apply for it. And I, I, I was the artist that year for that project. And with the bronze, which I titled In Community. <laughs> no, let's see. In Community is the tile mural at Gentry and In Gratitude is the bronze mural that I did. It's a it's just right there on the corner, hmm. meadows, right there by the fire station. And okay, great, yeah, great. It's really a, a privilege to get to do it, and they're constantly you know, doing more and more of that around. So, uh, do you ever interact with the Columbia Art League? Uh, I'm a member of the Columbia Art League. Mm -hmm. Proud member of that um, they have fun exhibits that really push you sometimes they have thematic exhibits and so it kind of pushes you out of your own box like a lot of this <laughs> stuff I've been talking about several years in a row they had what was called interpretations so you would be matched up with a writer or a poem hmm. it would be matched up with your painting and uh, then at the end you had an exhibit so the writer would do something inspired by a painting that I submitted, and I would be a painting inspired by something that writer wrote. Oh, wow. It was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, but they have great exhibits. I think they have one there now about food, uh, their annual, you know, eat, let's eat <laughs> exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> let's eat art. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I was involved with the art house here in Fulton as well. I, I just, uh, I love being an advocate of the arts and putting up exhibits for people. I've been doing mm -hmm. that at William Woods and the art house and Orr Street for a long time. And, uh, you know, putting up somebody's artwork is like making a work of art, I think. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I get a real charge out of doing it. And, uh, well, mentioning art house in Fulton, reminds me of Art House in St. Louis uh, a, 
Elizabeth Vega was one of my guests, who is an artist at the Art House in St. Louis. I wonder if you've ever come across that. I haven't, but I've seen one up in Seattle. I imagine there's art houses all around the country. Yeah, yeah. And they're very issue-oriented. Um, I don't know if Fulton's Art House is issue-oriented, or even if your own work um, has some issues, uh, social issues, or whatever that uh, you like to... Well, um, you know, another struggle, another thing that uh, artists can be torn <laughs> apart is, uh, you know, making art for art's sake or art for society's sake. You know, what is our responsibility as an artist? And there's there's two camps on that. You know, some just make art because it's it's a beautiful thing and we need some beauty in the world. Others are saying, no, you, you have a responsibility as an artist to reflect what's going on in the world and try to evoke change. And so I do, I try to dabble in a little of both. And, uh, you know, I, I love, uh, we had a show at the art house several years ago called Mimic the Masters. And I used to do that with my students is to pick an artist from art history that has inspired you in some way and do a work of art from mm -hmm. that idea could be subject matter could be their style or technique and i've done quite a few of those i i love doing that you can say a lot about the world today but use somebody else's idea. What are some of your favorites from history well i did one recently called the bull whisperers which was inspired by uh, rosa bonaire's uh horse fair and i thought well i'll do a I'll do a horse fair and I'll just have women controlling these horses. And, uh, but and then I turned, changed it to bulls. I thought I'd make it a little tougher than horses. And then I, I took away the restraints. And so we, I called it the bull whisperers because the women are taming these bulls just through, well, like being a Zen master like you, Dick. <laughs> right. uh, you kind of wild uh composition and she she was an amazing artist the building she has in the background of her painting the horse fair you can barely see it but it's a it's an asylum for women who were deemed hysterical back oh in knows that so wow. I, put the, I put the u.s capital in the back of mine oh and your statement <clears throat> is well i don't know what i was thinking. <laughs> Some kind of asylum. <laughs> yeah, a little different asylum. Okay. Responsibility. <laughs> well, I had noticed uh, a, a painting uh, with a uh, a woman nude and a man that seemed to represent uh, Uncle Sam in your website uh, collection. What that well, was a. You know, it's uh, I love working from the uh, human form. It, it's just so evocative. <laughs> just uh, the poses and and well, you know, I just like painting flesh and the color and. But then it, there comes a time. It's like, can I do more with this figure after I do it? What else can you do? And uh, I kind of played with that. That was a large painting. Hmm. And. Um, her pose was, you know, she kind of just standing there and kind of a snooty, you know, her hands were behind her back and um, 
she was kind of a natural model, just got into these great poses. And I didn't have anything in the background, but I think it was during the Bush era. Um, I don't know. I just thought I would make a statement about uh, with some women's issues. And so I put Uncle Sam there and I put a fire there and he's got he's grabbing her hands and trying to push her towards the flames. And she's got this kind of resistance on her face and who's going to win out, you know, uh, and it's he is an Uncle Sam character, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I am a, a big advocate of um, pro-choice and women's issues and, uh, you know, educating women. And so a lot of my work will tends to reflect that also. Mm -hmm. I had, a, I did another scenario from uh, uh, Delacroix. Rembrandt also did this particular subject matter, but you know, Delacroix is a, a romantic where you, his scenarios, you don't, you're not sure who's going to win out. Is it the lions or the horses or hmm. you know, which, which Arabian on the horse is going to win, you know, the particular fight. And uh, one of the subjects he did as well as Rembrandt was uh, the Sea of Galilee where the Christ figure is asleep and the apostles are just hysterical, you know, wake up, there's a big storm and, uh, this would really be a lot of fun to mimic and turn around a little bit. I don't have much experience on doing oceans or water, so I looked at pictures and except the river. I do have experience looking at those river currents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the uh, the waves, you know, I don't know. Rembrandt and Delacroix both did the, this wonderful, you know, these wonderful ocean wave scenes, and uh, so I kind of looked at their work and. And made up my own, but I, I had a little model boat. Actually, my brother made this old wooden boat thing, and so I, I used that as kind of a model. And I put the figures in there, and I had the Christ figure as the only one who was awake, and everybody else was asleep. Found this. I did that twice, and uh, so you know, I just kind of turned it around, and it's it's just a challenge to put multiple figures on a. Uh, compass, you know, uh, on a surface and make it work. <laughs> well, you did a composition. You did a composition that's hanging down at the landing here at uh, in Jefferson City of uh, steamboat time and and all kinds of people that and animals and uh, boats and the river. Beautiful. There's a, it's a six by seven foot painting that I was commissioned to do a couple of years ago. And I, again, I had to do a lot of research, of course, in the history of Missouri and Jeff City and Loman's Landing and mm -hmm. steamboats. My God, I looked at so many different steamboats and the history of steamboats. Did you know there were over 400 steamboat accidents on the Missouri River alone? <laughs> you know, <something. laughs> I mean, it's just it's incredible what I found out. Uh, I think I've got a hundred figures in that painting. Mm -hmm. you know, I've got some Osage Indians and you know people loading and unloading and uh, people in the street, boat captains and wagons and horses and mules and people working on the railroad. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was just a lot of fun. It was really mm -hmm. a lot of fun to, to get to do that. Well, great to see it there. It's still hanging. Uh, still a, an, <laughs> still an insulation at a uh, beautiful wall that they found to put it on there in that uh, little shop. It's down in Loman's Landing right mm -hmm. there uh, on the riverfront by the 
railroad station. Well, Jane Mudd, what a pleasure. We, uh, I think there's a lot more that we would have to talk about, but we're going to have to bring this to a close. And uh, if you had some aspiring uh, young artist listening today, what would you like to say to those folks? Ah, uh, it's it's never easy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, keep trying, stay focused. Uh, oh, that's a good question, Dick. Uh, look at as many artists as you can. Get into an art network of some sort. You know, I used to think art history was just, you know, I don't need it because it'll interfere with my art. Mm. <laughs> but he is an artist, you know. He was like the worst thing I could have ever thought, you know, and I... <laughs> I learned so much from the past artist, and it has helped my work immensely. And you know that's why history is so important. I think, but you know, look at other artists—not just the ones today, but even the ones from the past. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Great. Out there, it's not easy, and be, you have to be able to take criticism and failure. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a big part of it. And rejection. And- and there's a theme in your life of curiosity. So I think uh, any curiosity uh, ways to keep asking questions, keep looking. There's something in every day that uh, could speak. Yeah. What would happen if or what if? Could I change the scenario? It's one thing for an artist to do dark themes, things that, things that are not right with society and the ills of society, but how can we dream forward and create a solution somehow? Or what if it was like this? What if mm-hmm. it wasn't this way? That's that's tough and tricky, and it's hard to do it without being sentimental sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, so just, just keep trying. There's so, right. so much great art out there, and you can't have enough artists in the world right now. So welcome all of them. All right, Jane, that'll be the last word. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me on, Dick. I really appreciate it. And listeners, remember, wherever you are, that is your world. Uh, Please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it. Because if it is to be, it is up to us. So take care and talk to you soon.